need some young people to help me out. If you'll come and help us out, let's worship the Lord. One, two, three, go. We praise you, Lord.
to dancing. Thank you, choir. Thank you. And welcome this morning to Stratford Heights Church of God, where the Spirit of the Lord is. Don't you feel His presence? Thank you for coming today. I know God's going to bless us together. We want to welcome you and you that are live streaming this morning with us. We are glad and want to welcome you also. The Lord blessed us in the early service this morning at 8.30. And then following that, our Sunday school hour was at 9.30. And it's awesome in Sunday school to study the Word. Now we come for the morning service. And it's going to be such a blessing. Pastor Isaac, Brother Isaac is one of the greatest preachers Amen. that I know of anywhere. And we're so excited about him being here. We're always excited about Pastor Ray. There's nobody like him. And this is a special day that we have set aside to honor and appreciate our pastor, Ray Phillips. He is just so awesome. And we love him like the love of the Lord. And we thank God for him and his ministry to us. And he is going to be a, a recognized today and, sh and we show him our love. And uh, after following the morning service this morning, we will be having our uh, dinner, uh, not dinner, but a, a fellowship. And we will have finger sandwiches and all kinds of fingers. Oh, it looks great. Wait till you see what all they have prepared. And because we're going to fellowship there and stay a while, there will not be a service this evening. So you can just stay and talk to Pastor a long time. And don't one person corner and take all this time, though. That's not good. Because you got we got to pass him around today to about a thousand people. Can we do that? Just smile and let him know you love him. That's one of the biggest things. Your presence, your presence says so much to him today that you love him by being here. It's special, and we honor you, Pastor Ray. We love you so much. Words can't tell how much. I forgot to bring your fudge, but I'll get it to you this week. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just not myself. Sometimes I have so many things going on. But anyway, we want to welcome you. And if you're visiting with us, you come just enjoy the celebration with us today. That's what we're doing, celebrating a wonderful pastor. And we want to get out in the aisles and shake hands and greet one another and, and welcome people. If you see someone you don't know, ask them what their name is and tell them yours. Shake hands and greet them. God bless you. Get out and welcome one another.
Amen. It feels good in here. Amen. Oh, yeah. Well, we are going to go to prayer. Do you have any prayer requests? Anybody come into the house today with a need? Hands lifted up everywhere. We all have needs today. We brought into the house. We want to pray over your needs. We're also going to pray over the nation of Israel. If you will pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, today we pray and ask that you would touch and minister to the needs that are represented in this room. God, so many hands went up, and there's so many situations that are going on. But, God, you are aware of those, and we pray that you would have your perfect will and way in those situations. God, we ask that you bring healing to everyone that needs it, those that are in hospitals and those that are, that are going through so much. God, we pray that you would touch them and be with them, minister to them, touch Daily Carpenter, minister to him and help him. God, be with Virgil Ambergy, minister to him and touch him today. God, we pray that you touch Brother Hale, minister to him. Glenn Hale, we pray that you would touch him as well. God, just move over this audience and be in every situation, in every circumstance. God, we pray that you would have your perfect way. And Lord, we pray for our brothers and our sisters in Israel. That nation, we call out today, Lord, that you would have your way in it, that perfectly your will would be done and accomplished. God, that you would be at every border and every house every situation that's represented, we pray that you would bless the nation of Israel. God, be with them and take care of them. Lord, we pray that you would be with us today in this service. Lord, that your will and work would be accomplished in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Thank you for being here today. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for finding your way to Stratford Heights. We want you to know you're our special honored guest. And on a day like today, what's important is, trust me, it's not going to be all about me. What's important is that it's all about the one who has brought us together and given us unity, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, amen. So. We honor God by honoring a day like today. I told Brother Isaacs last night, I said, you know, I, for years as, as a youth minister here, I, I looked forward to this day. I loved this day. And I would work hard and help set up and decorate for Brother Watkins. And I would make him feel awkward. And I'd just tell him how awesome he was. And I was all about this day. And then I became pastor. And suddenly, it was very awkward. But your, your kindness, your cards already on my desk and the gifts and Liz's fudge that will be coming, <laughs> it means a lot. You know, every now and again, you work all year long and it's just one day where if it's nothing else, it's just a day when we say we love each other and everybody needs that. So I'm so thankful for you and love you so much and honor you today for being here. But you see in front of us, one of the things we want to talk about that has nothing to do with Pastor Appreciation Day is our bags. You see these are midi bags. Uh, says, we believe in you on the front of them. Uh, last year, we started an initial campaign where we wanted to love our community. We searched and searched the Clayton Street Mission Team until we found what we thought was a great idea. We decided the Highview Middle School here in Middletown kind of touches all 
families in the whole city who send their kids to that middle school. There were about 500 and some kids there. When I thought about it and when we started adding up how much it was going to cost, I was worried sick. But in a few weeks, you came through in flying colors and we had some left over. And so last year was a great success. This year, we decided to take them on again and this time add the Ohio Christian Academy, our own school here. We just didn't think it'd be right to buy all the school supplies for another school and leave ours out. Can I get an amen? amen. So we took care of Ohio Christian Academy and the Highview Middle School, taking us closer to 600 in our total number of bags needed for this year. And within about two or three weeks, Nicole, three, was it two or three weeks, we had, we had everything we needed. And here you see all of the bags are ready to go this Sunday. Amen. You have loved the kids of Middletown and these families. All year long, we hear testimonies. I've been stopped at Kroger's. And someone told me they were stalking my Facebook page. And they, they said, you're the pastor from Stratford Heights. You know, Thank you so much. My child received the school supplies. And many different places. We've had phone calls to the office. And many of you have run into people that thank them. Inside each one of the bags, just a little card that has just a little greeting and a scriptural. I think we have a scripture in there. And it's just, it's Stratford Heights Church of God loves you. And that's it. And we want them to know that they're loved. This is our way of just saying to them, we care about you. And that being a Christian, we're not wanting something from you. We're wanting to give you something. And it's going to touch all these families. But I don't want to send one of them out today without special prayer. Would you stand with me one more time? All of the bags are on the altar. They'll be delivered, I believe, this afternoon. Is that right? Tomorrow. Going to be delivered tomorrow. And they'll be taking them, putting them on the desks of all the students. They'll be ready when they come in their first day. They'll see all their supplies there in a very nice, attractive middies bag. But I want us to pray over them. And I want God to anoint them because I want them to know that it's more than just a church telling them that we love them. I wanted to send a resounding message that Jesus Christ loves them. Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray over Would you stretch your hands towards this altar? And let's pray right now. Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we thank you for the people who have worked so hard to make this happen. Lord, the folks that have stayed up late and many days, they've given up their own schedules to be a part of making this happen. I pray that you will touch and minister to every child, every family, every teacher and administrator at the school's. Lord, that you will minister to their lives, sending a resounding message to them that you love them, that, Lord, you are a present help for any trouble they might be in, that, God, they can turn to you. May it send a message from heaven, not from Middletown. And, Lord, may your anointing rest on each one. I pray for every young man, every young lady, and I pray for each one of them to understand and know the specialty of your presence in their lives. We pray over them for this year. May they have opportunities. To understand and know you. May they, God, understand your presence in a way maybe perhaps they have never known before. I pray that you keep them from all harm. We pray for the intervention of the angels of God and Jesus as their Savior. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask all of these things, believing and knowing that you're able.
and everyone together said amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. All right. Stay here, Pastor. He did mention awkward, so here we go. Brother Josh Long, if you would come, if you would come. Josh has a special presentation from the council he'd like to make. Good morning. As he said, I get the honor of uh, representing the church and the council for this wonderful man. And uh, I could probably tell you a story because I've known this guy since I was about this tall. I know what some of you are thinking, that's not very long, but it has been about uh, 30 years. So, uh, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, isn't it great that we have a pastor who's after the Lord's heart? Yes. You know, and I was thinking about that. It's also great that we have a church that's not dry. We have a pastor who's on his knees. He's on his knees daily seeking the Lord and what the Lord would have him do. Um, you know, I got to thinking about, you know, what, you know, his prayers might be like. And if I could sum them up shortly, because I know that they're probably not short starting at 3 or 4 in the morning, whenever the Lord gets you up. But, uh, you know... Thank you, Lord, for this day, something he might say. Thank you for my family, my friends, this church. Thank you that there are no skinny birds. Yes. Uh, thank you, you know, thank you, Lord, for blessing me with being the pastor of this church. Even though he doesn't think he can do it, he lets us know that. But through God, he's able to do it. Thank you, Lord, for this building out here. Yes. Thank you for this church, this building, that, Lord, I need you to show me another sign. Am I, is this my will or is this your will? And this is a man after the will of God. And I appreciate that. And thank you. So I want to say thank you, Pastor, for saying yes to the Lord. Thank you, Pastor, for answering the calling that God has placed on your life, even when you fought it. Because... Here you are, you've had an impact on my life. You've had an impact on everybody here. Yes. And we want to say thank you. So, token of our appreciation, we're going to give you a gift uh, here from the council and the church. It's a small token, but we all love you. Yes. We all love you. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor, Pastor, sorry about that. You can, you can be seated again, not unless you want to stand up again here in five seconds. Special gift. Pastor from our Esperanza Hispanic Ministry. Esperanza. They wanted you to have this 
token of appreciation. We'll say this. About 20 years ago, I was a teenager, and Pastor Ray took me out to eat at O'Charlie's restaurant. Never since that time, he has been He's been my friend, my pastor, and my hero, and it's been an awesome ride. And the, and the wonderful thing about that is, is I know the room is full of people that have had the same experience just like I've had. Hundreds, probably thousands of people have been impacted by this man's life. And uh, he's left such a, great, uh, such a great legacy so far, such a great history for us all to follow. He's pioneered ways. He's showed the ways. He's helped us to follow, and he's just done a wonderful, wonderful thing. I often go back in my life, and, uh, and, and I kind of go back to this thought. If you want somebody to, to think something is important, give it appreciation. Give it the most attention you possibly can. And I will say this. This day is around you, and it's great, and, and you know, it's awkward for you, but this day is all about thanking you and it's not enough but you're so important and you matter so much to us that we want to appreciate you right we decided to do something else this is it's even going to get more awkward we decided to do something else this year the pastor has basically not taken one day off He's not going to tell you that, but he's basically not taking one day off. With the building and with everything that's going on, he has not had a lot of time. So the staff and personally the council has banded together, and we are forcing the pastor to go away for a few days. We've got, yes. He has four days and three nights coming up starting, starting tomorrow morning. And uh, he is going to be blessed, and he is going to go away. <laughs> he is going to go away. So, so if you want closer ears, Pastor, this is what I want you to do. We're forcing you to go away. So if you're going to take calls and make any kind of visits, that's on you, all right? But we're forcing you to not do that. But, but of course, that's up to you. But we want you to be blessed, giving you a few days away. We want him to be blessed and uh, want him to get some time away and take some time off. Do you think the pastor needs a couple of days off? Say amen. 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 I know, I, know, I know everybody gets a vacation. Everybody gets a few days off here and there, and we're forcing the pastor to take a few. With that being said, I'm going to give the mic to him to let him say whatever he wants, and then we will receive the offering here in just a moment, and that is for the pastor as well. Here you go, pastor. Well, I know what I want to say. Number one, thank you. Thank you. As I said before, saying I love you is, a, is an awesome thing, but I also know, I know something else. He, he mentioned about, you know, the day being all around me, and I thought about that, and I thought, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of things around me. Cameron Jones, stand up. Richard McIntosh, step out. 
Gary Turner, can you stand while you play? These are my four full-time pastors that help me, and without them, I would be a chaotic mess. And I'm so thankful for them and how they minister and help me. friends. We plan together. We dream together. We administrate together. We hang out. We go to lunch. We do, we try to do the burger challenge. I laugh with them. I cry with them. And I love them very much. You don't have to worry about whether there's stress or tension on your team. We love each other with all of our hearts. Not to mention then there's another whole slew of, we have some Folks who work full-time jobs that give part-time, and they're on staff part-time, and they give voluntarily their time to the church, pastors all over the church. I want to thank each one of them and all the work that they do. We could not do it without you. And also our team directors and our leaders and our children's ministry and our nursery departments. And there is no way a church this size that any one man could ever do it. I'm thankful that we have a great team, and yeah, it's all around me. And I'm thankful that I got my dream come true. Because when I was 18 years old, I'm not going back to Hair Arena. When I was about 19, I remember sitting on a Sunday night at Harlem Park Church God, and I looked up at the pastoral team, and I said, wow. I said, they got the greatest job on the face of the earth. <laughs> Nothing's better than what they do. And all these years later, the Lord gave me the very desires of my own heart greatest honor and privilege that I have and feeling completely inadequate sometimes but for the Lord the greatest desire of my heart and the greatest dream come true for me is to be the pastor of this church and the pastor of you I love you and I thank you so much for loving me back God bless you Amen we get ready to receive our offering, we do want to say we have a very special, special guest today, Bishop Bill Isaacs. Bishop Bill Isaacs was the administrative bishop here in the Church of God in the state of Ohio uh, very recently. He's a mentor and a coach to pastors all over the nation, and uh, he is currently the director of pastoral excellence um, let me get the let me get the name just right here. He is the uh, director of uh, ministerial excellence here. It's a it's a an organization that he is the director of, and uh, we're honored to have him. Especially, we're honored because he is a hero and a personal friend of our pastor, and uh, we couldn't think of anybody better. We thought when we talked about pastor appreciation, we said who would do an awesome, amazing job. Bishop Bill Isaacs was the first that came to our mind, and he is here today with us, and he's going to bless us in just a moment with the word. But we're going to pray over the offering. As we said today, the offering goes to our pastor, and we just want to bless him. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray that you would have your way in the offering. Lord, that you would bless it and bless our pastor. 
God, I pray that you administer to him. I know that, that money will, will be a blessing to him. It'll help him to, to, to live a good life. But God, I pray that you would touch what's given, that it would be a blessing to him, a blessing that would reach far, further than a dollar amount would. God, I pray that you would make an impact in his life. And Lord, bless him over and over and over. Give him great favor, great blessings, great protection. God, I pray that you would lead his heart and life, Lord, through every open door of opportunity. Lord, I pray that you would lead him in your presence. And God, you would absolutely have your way, Lord, in him. Bless him, touch him, speak to him, help him to get lots of rest. And Lord, watch over him and be with us today and the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, weren't those young people great at the beginning of the service? <laughs> Try to involve as many people as we can, because everybody, every department loves pastor, right? Oh, don't shake your head. Right. The thing I love about pastor is how he pushes us for excellence. I have always felt like in my life, in the things that I do, the way I live my life, the way I prepare for worship, about to have an attitude of excellence and a ministry of excellence. When I first came to this church in the choir room, the first thing I put up was serving the Lord with excellence. And that's what we've tried to do, and that's been his philosophy. I love that about him. I love that we're friends. I love that he's so nice. He's, he's nice, I'm telling you. <laughs> In my life, I'm, I don't want to be nice. I want to be like Jesus, but I want to be nice like Pastor. And it's a struggle for me sometimes. So pray for me. Yeah. So we want to sing a couple of his favorite songs this morning. And uh, the first one talks about the excellence of the Lord. And we just want to worship him. How excellent.
O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. At the mention of your name, mountains move. At the mention of your name, storms cease. At the mention of the name of Jesus, demons tremble and sickness flees. Now hear this, for there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all.
you to bow your heads for a moment, please. I want you to take your right hand and I want you to put it over your heart. I want you to take your left hand and extend it toward the Lord this morning. And I want you, in a voice that may be so inaudible, the people around you might not even know what you're saying, but I want you to whisper this to the Lord. God, I want what you want. I want what you want for my life. I want what you want for my career. I want what you want for my children. I want what you want for my future. I want what you want, Lord. I want to be your man, your woman, your son, your daughter. I want what you want, whatever that is, whatever that means. Whatever that involves. I may not even know what I'm praying this morning, Lord, but I want what you want for my life, for your glory, for your honor, so long as I live on the face of this earth. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. What a incredible, incredible honor it is for me to be here today on this very special day to honor your pastor and my good friend, Ray Phillips. I love Ray Phillips. I love the fact that God brought him into my life. I appreciate so very much what it means to be Ray Phillips' friend. I've always aspired to hang around with cool people no matter how old they are. <clears throat> and being with him is cool. I am um, deeply honored to be here and be a part of this day. It's good to be with all the staff, <coughs> men and women that I love, value, and appreciate very, very much. It's good to see my good friend Jim and Leona Lenz here today. And uh, I know they're not here for me, but I'm just glad they're here. Um, it's always good to be with them and others in the, in the audience that I know and appreciate and love very much. When you think about what it means to be a pastor, how hard a job that really is, and a lot of times people don't always appreciate how hard it is to be a pastor. Uh, I travel now, I have the responsibility for the United States and Canada uh, to train pastors, and, and I travel extensively every week uh, around the United States talking and training and working and encouraging pastors, and I've come to this conclusion that pastoring is probably harder now than it's ever been. With no disrespect to any minister who's in this room who has served as a pastor or any preacher's kid that grew up in a pastor's home like I did <clears throat> and understands what that means. 
I just say that in the context that society and the world has changed so much. And what it means to pastor and the responsibility <coughs> excuse me, and the pressure that is on the pastor. How important it is that you and I pray for and encourage and lift up those who carry the gospel and who carry the responsibility. Not only the senior pastors, but the staffing pastors and the volunteer leader pastors and all of those who serve this great church. I trust that you will appreciate in greater measure. I say this all the time. Pastoring is hard because the commitment of people is different. You know, my grandfather bought gas from the same service station every time he needed gas. I don't care how expensive it was. He was loyal to the brand. And he always traded there no matter what. But people aren't like that anymore about church. I mean, people come here and they leave for crazy reasons. And it's hard as a pastor trying to keep a congregation together, the, the, the migration of people for jobs and, and the movement of people makes pastoring very, very difficult. Pastoring is also difficult because the culture has changed. People don't look at the church anymore the same way. It used to be that a pastor in a community was the most revered and honored leader in, in, in the community, but not anymore. Some of that's our fault. But some of it's just the fact that we live in a changing culture that no longer honors God the way that they used to honor God. And, and they think, you know, many people have this perception that preachers are crooks and shysters and, and manipulators, and some of them have been. Yours isn't. But, it, but it's also difficult to be a pastor because the pace of ministry is so very difficult. And, and to some degree, I say to your pastor and to other pastors in this room that the pace of ministry that we're trying to live is unsustainable. The stress levels and the physical toll that, that serving as a pastor takes on uh, the body and the mind and those kind of things. And, and for that reason, uh, I'm happy to be a partner with your pastor in coaching and consulting and working with him both now and going forward as we move into these new chapters here at Stratford Heights because I believe in your pastor, but I also believe it is so vitally important that everybody in the room feel the responsibility for the call of God that is on this house. And the responsibility, I mean, you think about this for with me for just a moment. Every pencil in that bag right there, Every piece of paper going out of this house, we want God to anoint that. Some child picking up a piece of, and I, this was the way I prayed in both services. God, when that child picks up that paper, I don't know, I don't want to spook anybody, but I hope they feel something. I want, I want, because God uses all kinds of things. If God can talk through a donkey, God can minister through a pack of paper. And there's a responsibility in this house for the call. And I feel the holy presence of the Lord. There's a, there's a responsibility in this house. And it's not just Ray Phillips' responsibility. And it's just not Gary and Kathy Turner. It's all of us that have a responsibility to be God's voice and be God's people in this world. And so I just, I'm just excited uh, to be a part of a day that honors pastoral leadership. 
and honors a good man who deserves that honor and appreciate what was done and how that's done. Now, what he's going to find out is that the four days you gave him off, uh, there's a Motel 6 in Wilmington that you're going to, and uh, there's no cable and there's no Wi-Fi, but you have a good time. Would you do that, please? We were going to give you the key to the snack thing in your room, but we decided not to do that either, so be sure you pack a lunch. Get some of the sandwiches out here and put them in a bag and take those. We love you, but, you know, we don't want to go overboard with all that. Open your Bible, please, with me, please, to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. I brought with me uh, all of the books with the exception of one. There's one of my books that's out of print, but I brought all the books that I've been writing down through the years. The most recent one just came out a few weeks ago. It's entitled, I Want What God Wants. And it, it deals with the topic, some of which I'm going to talk about today, but it deals with this idea of how... Obedience transforms our relationship to God. What it means to be a person who is fully and totally committed to the Lord Jesus. Surrendered to whatever it is that God wants to accomplish in us. And so if any of those books will help you, Todd, it's back there helping me today. And, and it's worth $10 just to talk to Todd. So go back to the table and, and, uh, and look and see if any of those books might, might help you, encourage you. I'd love for you to take one home if if it will be an encouragement to you or somebody uh, that you know. I am blessed to have, uh, Shelly and I are blessed to have eight grandchildren. The youngest granddaughter is a little girl by the name of Nora, Nora Faith. Uh, she'll be five, I think, here in a few weeks. Nora's my whatever child. She's a lot like her dad. When her dad was younger and I'd say, son, your shoes aren't tight, he'd go, well, whatever. You know. <laughs> Buddy, you, you got your shirt on backward, well, whatever. I mean, you know. That's the way Nora lives. Nora just kind of lives in her own little world. When Nora was born five years ago, maybe a little more than that, maybe. But whenever when Nora was born, she was born with a large head. And she went, when my daughter-in-law took her in for her initial visit after birth, the doctor took one look at Nora and said, there's something wrong with that baby's head. We need to do x-rays and tests right now because this could be something very serious. This child's head is abnormally large. And so my daughter-in-law, if you, if you knew Andrea, you would know what I'm about to tell you. She immediately, she's just like in panic mode. What, what could it be? What, what, what could possibly be wrong with this baby? I mean, you know, she seems to be fine. What's going on? Well, it could be hydrocephalus, it could be water on the brain, it could be viral, it could be bacterial. There are some, some infant cancers that sometimes cause the brain to swell and be at. When, when Jason called me, I can tell you exactly where I was. I was on U.S. Highway 30 between Bucyrus and Mansfield in my car, and he called and he said, Dad, we need to pray for Nora. There's something wrong with her head. He said, Dad, it. It could be a lot of things, but it, it could be cancer. Well, you'd have to know my story to understand that we had just walked out of that experience. And I remember the, the overwhelming feeling that came into my heart in that car that day. And I began to pray, God, surely not. No way. Please, you're not going to, surely you're not going to put us through this again. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how serious it can be. 
I don't want to overreact, but God, I'm just saying, I don't think we can do this again. Well, they took Nora to uh, the children's hospital there in their city, and they did the x-rays, and, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. I know this is a wonderful church, but I don't understand a couple things about medical science. We can blow a man to the moon in 93 million miles and get him back in two days. We can't get an MRI read in five. I don't understand quite how that works, but there's like agony waiting on that to come back. You know what I mean? Just agony. Well, when the report came back, the good news is there wasn't anything wrong with Nora's head. She just had a big head. And I told him, I said, if they would have just taken one look at her grandfather, you'd know his head's big too. But I still couldn't shake the trauma of what had happened and how I'd been impacted by the potential of something. And so I called Jason. He lives in Louisville, Kentucky. And I said, I want you to drive to Cincinnati. I want you to meet me for supper. I want to talk to you and I want to see the girls. And so they drove up with the girls and we met at a restaurant in the area here. And after we had eaten and played with the girls, and I just said to Jason, I said, Jason, I don't need to ask you a question. How did you process all of this? How did you navigate this experience? He said, Dad, it was the strangest thing. I, I don't even know how I did it. I don't know. I didn't even know how to pray. Dad, I, I didn't even know how to approach God about this. Every time I would get down to pray, I would just not be able to form the words. And he said, on the night before we took Nora for the MRI, I was laying across my bed and I said to God, God, I want what you want for Nora, whatever that means. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, in that restaurant, in this, in this very town, when he spoke those words, something struck me in my spirit. It, it, was, it was a physical kind of jolt. I felt myself kind of recoil. I didn't say anything, but when I got in the car and started driving back home, I said to God, I said, God, why did that bother me so much? When he said that about the way that he prayed, why was I so impacted by those words? And here's what came to me. The reason that that bothered me is that I don't pray that way. In fact, I don't think I'd ever prayed that way. That's not the way we're taught to pray. It's not the way that we preach about prayer. Here's the way I pray. I pray, God, I know what I want. I know what I need. And I would sure appreciate you coming through for me on this. That's the way we pray. We know what we want. We know what we need God to do. And we know how to quote the Bible back to God. We want God to do what we want God to do for us. We feel like we deserve that. We're good church-going people. We pay our tithes. We're faithful. So when we get in a tight, we need God to come through and do for us what we want. And so when I thought about that, I thought about the way I pray, and I thought, well, you know what I also do? If I feel guilty praying that selfish kind of prayer, I'll sometimes conclude that prayer by going, and we'll give you all the glory. It's kind of like, God, I'm going to throw this little bone to you if you come through for me. When I felt the Lord nudging me some time back to study the Bible 
to understand in greater depth what it means to be obedient to God, I came up on this story in the book of Jonah. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments. I will not talk long, I promise. I know there's sandwiches waiting. But in the book of Jonah, the first three verses, we'll just read that for context. But we'll walk through the four chapters here very quickly with three principles about how obedience impacts the way that we live as believers. Because with no disrespect to anything that happens in this house, this is a holy house, it's an anointed house, God's presence is here, spiritual leadership is here, there's a covering on this house. But I'm telling you that what happens in this house is not nearly as important as what happens when we leave this house. The way that we're going to live tomorrow, the way that we're going to conduct ourselves, the way that we're going to relate to God, the way that we're going to process our pain, our difficulty, our struggle, our questions, our confusions, that's way more important than what happens here when we're in this place. And obedience transforms that relationship. It changes the environment in which we operate and deal with God. So let's look at the three verses that open the book of Jonah and then we'll get right at it. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Now Tarshish doesn't really mean anything to the story of Jonah except to the context of understanding that on the map in Jonah's day, the farthest point to the southwest of where Jonah lived was Tarshish. So in other words, he's going to go as far away from his present location as he can. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. The story of Jonah is an interesting, somewhat bizarre story of a man who was told by God to go to the town of his arch enemy, a people whose stated desire was to destroy Jonah and all of the people of Israel. The Assyrians were brutal, wicked people. Their boast about their ability to pillage and murder and rape and destroy was legendary. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go to this town and I want you to announce their judgment, my judgment against them. And Jonah said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. In fact, I don't want to go over there and preach any kind of message of hope or salvation or judgment at all because I know what you'll do. If I preach to them about judgment, if any of them repent, you're going to forgive them. And I don't want that. And so I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to buy a ticket and I'm going to run as far away from this as I can because I'm, I just don't want to deal with it and I'm going to escape. And he gets on the the boat and he starts on this journey that outlines in the book of Jonah. Here's the thing I need you to understand right at the beginning. Sometimes the things that God will ask you to do with your life are not easy. 
If you thought that serving God and choosing God was going to open up for you some sort of an easy road to life's happiness, you are going to be disappointed. Because discipleship is about carrying a cross. It's about denying yourself. It's about giving up what you want so that God can do what he wants and you will let God use your life for that. It means giving up your own dreams and accepting the dreams and plans that God has. And that's not easy. It might be that God would want you to spend the rest of your life in some difficult horrible place just doing something that he wants you to do for the kingdom that you don't ever understand what it is or why it is we preach about Christianity and we talk about the glamour of serving the Lord and all of that and we don't always appreciate that while we're here this morning there are people literally giving their life for being a Christian a priest murdered in France a few weeks ago Viciously murdered just for being a priest. I read not too many days ago, I was reading a story about ISIS. And I was reading that Newsweek had discovered that in some village there in this occupied area of Syria, a little preacher who had formerly been a Muslim had given his heart to Jesus. He had won every member of his family to the Lord. He'd begun to have a Bible study in his house and had gathered a crowd of about 25. And when ISIS and its leaders found out about it, they drug the whole family and the whole church out in the streets. And they told the man that if you do not denounce Jesus and accept Allah and, and, and declare your allegiance again to the Muslim faith, we're going to kill everybody. Eventually, they killed everybody in that family and every one of them simply because they would not renounce Jesus Christ. Now, we don't, we don't know how to relate to that in America. We don't understand, but we will because it's coming. It's coming. And the finding that place in our heart where we say to God, I want what you want more than anything is a statement more profound and more impacting than probably any of us in this room understand. So sometimes the things that God asks us to do are not easy. They're hard. Why was it hard for Jonah to say, I don't want to go to Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was his enemy. told them in the first service, you know, when you're in college, sometimes you get bored. When I was a freshman in college, I got bored one night, and me and some of my buddies, we got together and we wrote songs that nobody had the guts to sing in church. And I wrote a song that night entitled, It Won't Be Heaven for Me If You Show Up. You got anybody in your life like that? I go to heaven, I sure hope they're not on my street. That's what God was asking Jonah to do. Go preach to people who hate you. Go preach to people that despise you, who want to kill you. Go tell them Jesus loved you. It'd be like God saying, you know, I know your children were killed in 9-11, but I want you to go win Obama, uh, Obama uh, uh, bin Laden to the Lord. Osama bin Laden. I, I want you to take the gospel to him. I want you to go to someone who is your arch enemy. Somebody who's abused you and made fun of you and done everything they could to hurt you. 
I want you to be good to them. That's not easy. But who said Christianity was ever going to be easy? And at the end of your life, it's not that God is saying, I want you to come to heaven because you're the greatest singer. You're not going to be welcomed into heaven because you're the biggest tithe payer. There is no reward for being the most popular member of this church. The only reward is for those who have been faithful, those who have been obedient, those who have been surrendered and said, God, I want what you want. My life will be about you. It will be about what you want me to do, not about what I want. Second thing the story of Jonah teaches me is that God's grace relentlessly pursues us even when we are in rebellion. Because Jonah, listen, this is the crazy thing about the story of Jonah. Jonah was willing to die on the floor of the ocean rather than be obedient to God. I choose rather to die in this sea. But God's grace was greater than Jonah's rebellion. And God was not willing for Jonah to die in that sea. And so when the Bible says that God caused a great storm. A great wind came up on that boat. And that boat began to be in peril. And the men on that boat were confused. They had seen the weather report. They knew there wasn't supposed to be a storm. They didn't know why they were in a storm. They couldn't figure it out. And finally Jonah says, it's on me, guys. This storm is because of me. God is Provided the storm because he's trying to get my attention. But instead of saying, so take me back to port, I have an assignment from God. He said, throw me overboard. Such was the rebellion. Now, listen, it would be easy for us to preach that Jonah was some wicked, evil. No, he loved God. He was God's man. God trusted him. God believed in him. He had an assignment. Jonah was a good guy. He just had a problem with what God was asking him to do. Just like some of you. You love God. You come to church every week. But there's a part of you that just resists. Every time God nudges in that area, every time God pushes you, you just say, no, 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 no. no. I love you. I ain't doing that. I'm not going there. I'll pay my tithes. I'll give my money. I'll, but I'm not doing that. I'm not comfortable with that. I, I can't do that. And so God sends storms. Storms come into your life. Could it in fact be that some of the stuff that you've been going through is just God's grace relentlessly pursuing you so that you will come back to what God wants you to do with your life? There was a storm. Then the Bible said that Jonah goes overboard, and when he goes overboard, instead of him drowning in the sea, the Bible says this, God prepared a great fish. That's where the story gets weird. Because the Bible said when he goes overboard, this great fish comes up and swallows Jonah in the belly of that fish. Now there's only two species of fish that are in the sea, who have the capacity to swallow a human being whole. 
Neither of them have the capacity to sustain life for three days and three nights. And that's why I say it's significant that the scripture says the Lord prepared a fish. Now here's the thing that I need somebody in this room to hear because I think this is the reason God sent me here this morning. Some of you need to realize that God loves you more than you think and he cares more about you than you thought. And no matter how much you've rebelled or how many mistakes you've made, God isn't willing to give up on you. God isn't willing to let you go. He will prepare a fish. He will make a way so that you have another opportunity to surrender to him. Because I'm telling you in this house, the devil is a liar. He has lied to you that your last chance was over. That's not true. Your God loves you. His grace is pursuing you. He wants you to surrender. God prepared a great fish. And then the Bible begins in chapter 3 by saying, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Because that's what the devil tells us, isn't it? You blew it. You had your chance back in 97. Remember that service? God spoke to you. You said no. God's done. He moved on to somebody else. Lie. It's a lie. Let me tell you why I know it's a lie. Romans eleven twenty nine. I have quoted that verse to pastors and ministers my whole life. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What that simply means is that God has never changed his mind about what he always believed concerning you. God's not quit. He's not given up. He's not decided to cash in his chips on you. He is determined by his grace to keep pressing in in hopes that you will surrender yourself and allow him to lead you where he wants to take your life. Because God's plans are bigger than you could ever imagine. God's thoughts are higher than you could possibly imagine. Which leads me to the final and last thought. And it's simply that, that God's plans are always the best plans. So I don't know how you'll wrestle with these next statements, but just listen to me. And then pray about it and process it. If I flub it up real bad, Pastor Ray will be preaching next Sunday and he'll straighten it all out. Down through the years, I have prayed with hundreds of people who've come forward and said, pray for me that I'll marry the right girl, that I'll choose the right school, that I'll make the right decision about this job. That I'll do the right thing with my parents. Whatever it might be. I've laid my hands on kids like that and adults like that for years. And I've prayed, now Lord, you heard their prayer. Help them to make the right decision. Give them the wisdom to know what to do. Help them to understand that. One night I had laid my hands on this young teenage boy. And I was praying that prayer and as vividly I still remember that moment. It was a strong moment. I, I, I remember growing up as a boy, my mother teaching me and helping me to memorize scripture, and we memorized this verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your path. 
It was like the Lord said, how could they make a mistake if they do those three things? If they trust in me and they don't lean on their own understanding, but they acknowledge me, I'll make sure they meet the right person. I'll make sure they're in the right place. I'll make sure they have the opportunity. It is the grace of God that is relentlessly helping us to do the right thing because we want what God wants. And in spite of our humanity and our propensity to fail, in spite of our weaknesses and our temptations, there is a God who is meticulously directing our lives in the right direction when we surrender ourselves to him. So here's what I'm saying. God speaks to Jonah and says, go to Nineveh and preach to that city. And God looking in a macro level is saying, If they receive that message that Jonah will bring, I will save that whole city. Jonah's going to Nineveh going, I don't want to do this. Because he can't see what God sees. He can't understand what God is trying to do. He just understands the awkwardness of the request and the command of God. He is just uncomfortable because he's in a place where he can't see everything that God sees. Let me see if I can explain this for you. On a Sunday morning, in the church I pastored, a woman comes up to me after church and she says, my son, Howard, is in the Baptist hospital. He is dying from the cirrhosis of liver because he has spent his whole life as an alcoholic. And I would ask you, Pastor, if you'd go see him. I said, absolutely, I'll be happy to. I got up the next morning. I went to Baptist Hospital. I went into the little unit where he was. He was hooked up to all the kind of life-sustaining things that you need. Hard to talk to him. Hard to communicate. I introduced myself. I said, Howard, I'm your mother's pastor, Bill Isaacs. And I want to come and pray with you. Your mother's told me about your condition, how dire it is. She tells me doctors are not hopeful. She also told me, Howard, that you don't know the Lord. And I just thought I'd come by this morning and I would say to you that God loves you. And that God will forgive you. And I don't understand all the deep things about the theology of the Bible. But I know what the Bible said. The Bible said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Howard. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, you can be saved. And when I began to speak the word of God, little tears began to puddle up in the hollowed sockets of his eyes. His eyes fixed on me. I said, Howard, do you believe that? And he nodded his head. I said, Howard, would you like to be saved? Because here's what I know, that no matter what you've done with your life or how things have turned out, that if you confess your sins and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved today. Now, folks, I'm not deep, but I know when the Holy Spirit moves into a room and God had moved into that little unit that day, and it was just me and him and the Holy Spirit, and I began to talk. I said, Howard, let's pray. I'm going to pray a simple sinner's prayer. And when I pray that simple prayer, you, you pray. I know you can't talk, but you, you, you form those words in your mind. You, you utter them out in your spirit. You tell God you're sorry. You repeat these words. Let them be your own words. We began to pray that little prayer, and the Holy Spirit was so precious, so tender. He lifted up that bony little arm about halfway like that, and I knew God was touching him. When we finished, I asked him, I said, Howard, did you tell God you were sorry? And he nodded. 
I said, did you tell him you believed that Jesus Christ was his son come in the flesh? He nodded. I said, did you tell the Lord you would come? Yes, he did. I said, Howard, you know what the Bible says? The Bible said you're saved. And he just lifted up that hand, kind of waved at me. I said, I'll be back tomorrow. I didn't make it back because he didn't make it through the night. Early in the hours that morning, I got a phone call from one of the nieces that Uncle Howard had died. We're over at Mommy's. I said, I'm on my way. I got up. I drove over. I got over to the house. The two older brothers, they were there. They were so drunk. The other daughter was present. One daughter, mommy, she's just sitting over there in the chair, dabbing her eyes with a Kleenex. I went over there and sat down in the chair that faced her, and I said, Mommy, I didn't have a chance to tell you. I went to see Howard yesterday or today. He did? I said, yes. I said, listen, Howard gave his heart to the Lord yesterday, Mommy. She looked at me. I said, yes. I said, I prayed that prayer with him. He gave his heart to the Lord. Howard was saved, Mommy. That little woman got up and she just started doing this. Just started dancing around that room. When she calmed down a little bit, she said, Could, is it, you know, would it be possible, you know? Uh, I said, you want to have Howard's funeral at the church? Yes. I said, absolutely. We'll have Howard's funeral at the church. I went back to my little church and I told him, I said, now listen. I told him the story. I said, Howard Breeden was a drunk. There ain't nobody going to be coming to this funeral. But I said, I've made arrangements for this funeral to be at 12 o'clock on Wednesday. And I'm asking every one of you to give up your lunch hour and come and let's, let's fill up this sanctuary. I asked every member of the choir. I told the music director, I said, I want you to get everybody in the choir. I said, I want us to sing. I said, it won't be a long funeral, I promise. No other speakers but me. A couple songs, that'll be it. My precious people responded. The building was full. When they rolled that casket in, that family came in behind it. The church was singing, Jesus is precious. He is so precious to me. I preached a simple sermon. I told the story. We walked out, went to the cemetery, and we buried him. I climbed in the car with the family, and I said to the oldest daughter, Avis, I said, Avis, now Sunday coming up will be the first Sunday since Howard was born that mommy has not taken Howard to church with her in her heart. And I said, you know what would be really cool is if you'd get the whole family, as many of us as would, to come and sit on the pew with her just as a support for this one Sunday. I'll do that, Pastor. I got my church praying. That Sunday morning, they filled up about three pews around Mommy that morning. I preached a simple prayer, and I'm telling you, when I gave the altar call, we prayed 18 members of that family to a salvation experience that morning. Listen, it gets better. Because before I left that church, by actual count, I could count 41 people in that family and extended relations that came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because God's plans are always bigger. God's plans are always better. And when people surrender their life to the Lord and they give God an opportunity, God does amazing things through people who surrender themselves to Him. So here's the question for you. What are you going to do this week? What's your week going to look like this week? Is it going to be a continual pursuit of the things that you want in life? Is it going to be this stress-filled kind of, I don't know how I'm going to get it all done kind of week? 
Or is this going to be the week when you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, God, whatever you want me to do this week, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever, whatever plans you have, whatever I can do this week for you, if you'll speak to me, if you'll help me to know, I'll do it. Because I want what you want. I may have these plans over here, Lord, but, but really I want what you want. I want to do what you want. Because that's why God saved us, didn't he? He redeemed us from our sins and we told him that we would give our life to him. He took us at our word. So we don't buy into the philosophy of this world that it's about me. None of this is about me. It hasn't been from the moment that I told the Lord I would choose him. That moment, everything changed. It was the repentance and the transformation of my life from the person who would pursue his own agenda to a person who would give his life for whatever God wanted. Well, what's that going to mean? I don't know. I don't know what that's going to mean for some of you. Some of you have been wrestling about God's will and God's plan. Some of you have been trying to figure out what God's doing. There are so many things that are confusing. You don't know what God's doing. That's okay. Some of you, are gonna, your life is going to be changed the moment that you tell God and really mean it. I want what you want. Because then the doors are going to be opened. It's not going to be you in charge anymore. It's going to be Him. It's going to be Him. Give myself. Every head bowed, every eye closed a moment, please. Put your right hand over your heart. Take your left hand and extend it to the Lord and tell Him, I want what you want. I don't know what that means. I, I don't know how that's I don't know how that's gonna play out. I don't know what that means. But on this Sunday morning, as best I can, I want you to know, God, I want what you want. Give me eyes to see what I can't see on my own. Help my ears to hear your voice like never before. Help my mind to be sharp and aware that there is a God plan. That includes me. I give myself Say it to him again. I want what you want. Say it. Whatever that means. Just say, well, that's hard for me. Okay. Then pray it this way. God, help me want what you want. Help me to want what you want. You say, there's been some times in my life when I felt like in pursuing what God wanted, it caused me great pain. I, I get that. I understand that. And there are some things in life that you're never going to figure out. There are some things you're never going to be able to put it together until you get to glory. But that's okay too. Because a life that is fully and completely surrendered to God is a life that God can use for things that you could never have possibly imagined. Lord, my life. 
is in your hand. You know it, sing it now. I give All myself away. I give myself away so you can use it up now. I give myself away. I give myself away. every eye closed you say Brother Bill I don't know the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today but I want to I want to give my life to the Lord this morning lift up your hand right where you are lift up your hand right where you are I want to give my life to Jesus this morning is there anybody here? I want to give my life to the Lord this morning. Listen. It's not that complicated. It is simply the prayer of surrender. Here's my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I want what you want from me. It's just that simple. If you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart today, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me and the others that are in this room who will pray that prayer with us. We will pray that prayer. But now listen, there's no magic in the words unless they mean it to you, mean something to you. Unless they are your words. If they're your words, then they're powerful to God. So when we pray this prayer and you repeat that prayer, if you sincerely mean it, God hears that prayer. He responds to that prayer and he forgives. So would you repeat this prayer after me, everybody in the house? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I believe Jesus is my Savior. I confess my sins. I am a sinner. I need to be saved. I am sorry for my sins. I receive forgiveness. And I believe in your son Jesus. Help me to serve you 
All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, and you sincerely meant that, the Bible says that you can be saved. You are saved. I encourage you before you leave this house today, find somebody and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Help them to connect you with the people of this church who can help you to understand that process and what the next steps are. And thank God you came to church today. Thank God you were here today to hear the message of the gospel and you received it into your heart, into your life. One last prayer. Lift up your hand to the Lord all over the house. I want you to pray today that as you leave this house that you will leave with a sensitive heart, that you will leave with sensitive eyes and sensitive ears and be open to whatever God opens before you this week. That whatever happens as you leave this house, that it will be directed by God, that he will order your steps, that he will make your assignment clear and that you will walk in obedience before the Lord today. Let's pray that prayer. Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we pray this prayer today that you will do something in our church family that is extraordinary, that you will walk with us this week and that you will speak to us, that you will direct our steps and accomplish your purpose in all of us today to the glory of God. Help us to see what we need to see, hear what we need to hear. Let our hearts be aligned with your will in our life this week. In the name of Jesus we pray. In Jesus' name we pray this. Now give the Lord praise in this house. Would you do that for Amen. Amen. If you would stand, if you would all stand over the house. One of the greatest messages that I've ever heard on obedience. What a wonderful word for us today. Bishop, we appreciate that. We appreciate it. Can we show our appreciation for the word today? A special guest. As a, as a way of conclusion, Pastor, I'd like you to come over in the middle. Staff, family, if you would come, we want to pray over the pastor. All of us, we want to pray over the pastor that God would bless him and touch him today. He's a great example. He's answered the call of obedience and said, God, whatever you want. And in that, the burden of ministry, the burden of his life. And we just want to pray that God would bless him and help him and just minister to him. Amen? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray over our pastor. God, you know his heart. You know what you've given him, the calling that you've put on his life. And Lord, you didn't ask him to do this alone. God, you've anointed him. You let him be the leader. Lord, you've blessed him to be the leader. Lord, you've brought a, a plan and a work and a team together to help. Lord, I pray that you would just bless the pastor today, minister to him and help him in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would help him, Lord, to be revived, to be refreshed. God, to be anointed and to be strengthened. Lord, not, not as we could, but God, as you know exactly how to do. We pray that you minister to this man. God, speak to his heart and to his life. Anoint him and use him, Lord. Bless him mightily in the name of Jesus. Lord, let him be refreshed. Let him be refreshed in the name of Jesus. Lord, and just watch over him and take care of him. God, we thank you. 
We thank you because you care for us enough that you would send a man that would care for us. We thank you and we honor you and we bless you today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. Let's give it up for our pastor one more time. Right now, Pastor, you and your family and friends, you are dismissed. Friends and guests, you are dismissed to go back to the gym to start first in line for the food. Everybody say, God bless you, Pastor. All right, as they are going, we want to pray over our food first, and then we're going to let our senior adults go, and then the rest of us will go, okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that you would bless the food and the fellowship that we're about to enter in. Lord, we pray that you bless all those that prepared and brought food and bless those who receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, what's going to happen is when you go out, senior adults are dismissed first. I'll let you decide if you're a senior adult or not. You're dismissed first. You go out into the lobby. The left set of doors, you will go into that door. <clears throat> the rest of us are going to hang out for just a minute. We do want you to know that there is seating in the back for our senior adults that's reserved. The tables are reserved for our senior adults, so we want you to know that.